This is the Saturday Morning Serial Podcast with your host, Amanda Ann. Welcome to another episode of Saturday Morning Serial. I'm Amanda Ann, and before we get started, I have a very special announcement I want to make. After a long decision, I decided to have a co-host come on here. And that co-host is my own boyfriend, Mike Simic, and I'm so excited to have him on. And guys, I know you're probably like, well, you know, that's an easy decision because he's your boyfriend, he lives with you. But you guys will understand, he is very well versed in film and TV shows that he will bring so much knowledge, especially of the industry as a whole, to this podcast. So I'm very excited to have him on. So welcome, Mike. And today, him and I are going to sit down and we're going to talk about Daredevil, which is now on Disney+. Plus. However, it used to be on Netflix. So that's how I watched it was on Netflix and it's been on Netflix for quite some time now. So Mike, he actually also helped me. He made my logo. He's kind of been like my behind the scenes person too. So he is very much aware of just like the branding of this podcast. And don't forget I came up with the name too. That's right. You did. Yeah. This has kind of been my podcast as well all along. Yeah. But now I'm just officially in it. So it'll be fun and exciting because you and I will have each other to bounce off of. So It'll be a good time. Yes, we do bounce off each other a lot. Yeah. First off, I need to complain about something. Okay, everyone who knows me knows I am a big fan of the musical Wicked. I was, like, completely obsessed with it in high school. Like, that was my thing in high school. Like, my friends and I, we would go, we would do the lottery, like, every other weekend downtown. And, you know, it was just overall, it was my high school experience was seeing Wicked with my friends and other Broadway shows, of course. And I was just a big full out theater nerd. Well, there is a movie coming out of Wicked and an Ariana Grande is Galinda and Cynthia something is Elphaba. I can't think of the name right now. I will get that name in a second. But anyway, that's beside the point. We already knew that was coming. But now the director is saying that they are going to split the movie into two. Which is weird for me. Why are you splitting Wicked up into two? And my thing is, if you can smash Les Miserables into one three-hour movie, why aren't like why can't Wicked be like that? Like for me, Les Miserables is a much bigger story than Wicked. But I'm just like kind of hopeful that they make some nods to the Wicked book by Gregory Maguire. So I don't know. I I'm kind of very much not a fan of this two movie ordeal, but I guess we'll see. So without further ado though, with that, we will jump into the Daredevil discussion. And I have to say, Matt Murdock has become one of my favorites. And I just, I love Charlie Cox in the role. And I personally heard of Daredevil because my dad watched it when it first came out, but I was never really familiar with it. I always had like a notion of like whatever my dad watched. I was just kind of like, eh, whatever. Cause like my dad, like he has his own, my dad is very much a nerd. He has his own fandom. He loves Doctor Who, but like that, I, I'm not into that. So our tastes and things are very different, but I mean, we do have similar things as well. Like we both love Marvel and whatever, but Mike actually had me sit down and watch Daredevil 
on Netflix, as well as The Defenders and seasons one and, and no, just season one of Jessica Jones, which I love Jessica Jones. She's actually one of my favorite female Marvel characters as well. My take on Daredevil, the show though, I am really into like true crime and criminal justice. So this was actually right up my alley, like right off the bat because Matt Murdock and his partner in crime, Foggy Nelson, they are lawyers. And I just really like the whole like criminal investigating lawyer law type of storyline it took. And Mike, this was a movie right before the show. So Daredevil was originally a movie with Fox, of course, we all know, starring Jennifer Gardner and Ben Affleck as Daredevil and Elektra, respectively. And eventually Fox kind of just sat on the rights because they didn't get it right. Uh, so eventually it reverted back to Disney. And Disney, they were thinking, oh, you know, we can make a movie, we could spend $200 million making this Daredevil movie. And I'm pretty sure it was... Kevin Feige, it might have been Jeb Lowell, the uh, Marvel TV head, who said that Daredevil doesn't need a $200 million CGI blockbuster to be a good story. That's not what makes Daredevil special. Daredevil is a street-level character with limited abilities and resources, and he fights crime and gangsters and mobsters and ninjas and all these things that look much better in a practical feel without much CGI. So, yeah, I mean, they they announced the show and I was like, oh, wow, this is going to be great. And then they like, it's this Charlie Cox guy. I was like, who's that? <laughs> I still haven't seen him in anything outside of Daredevil, so he's always just Daredevil to me, but I do know he has a huge repertoire on theater and he has a lot of smaller roles yeah he uh he was with tom hiddleston and zowie ashton in betrayal so that's how i kind of figured out who he was even before i watched daredevil because i'm like hey him and tom hiddleston are bros oh my god he played daredevil no way <laughs> but yeah he does have some theater cred behind him so let's talk about matt murdoch and what makes matt murdoch and daredevil original as far as the Marvel Universe goes. So, obviously, the first thing is, is Matt Murdock, Daredevil, they're blind. Mm -hmm. So, Amanda, did you know that he was blind going into the show, or was that, like, the biggest shock to you? I had no idea Daredevil was blind. And I kind of thought it, like, after, uh, you know, we watched, like, the first episode and all that fun stuff, I got like major Batman vibes just because he's so like brooding but you know I, but that it was just so interesting to me though because he acted blind in real life as Matt Murdock but he had these like incredible like senses like of hearing and just like looking into someone's mind almost and seeing what they're thinking or feeling because they can like or he can hear they're like what blood flowing or like they're breathing and stuff like that's so interesting to me well he can smell when a person starts sweating and he can hear a person's heartbeat and he can just pick up on so many different things that a person does to tell how they feel mm -hmm. uh so he can read people like a human lie detector 
Yeah, and, and, and I mean, what I'm saying, trying to say here is that at first, I just, and you know, this is just me. Sometimes, like, I'll just immediately start comparing, you know, one character to another character. But Daredevil just, like, completely went a different direction than I thought. Because he was just so much more, to me, he's more interesting than, like, Batman. I know I'm going to get flamed for that. But it's just the fact that he has such an unfortunate life and he has all these different things he can do. That makes him so unique in the long run. Uh, and he's also a lawyer. Yeah, Bat Batman and Daredevil often shared artists and um, writers in the early comic book days. I believe Frank Miller is written on both, so that's that's where their, their common ground is. And Daredevil didn't always have kind of like a red costume like we know him that came in like the 80s but like 70s and the 60s daredevil was like a red and yellow costume and, and it, oh frank miller and these writers in the 80s brought a lot more to daredevil and they make him more recognizable to modern modern audiences like like us i didn't know that wow so daredevil matt murdoch you know he's a lawyer he works with his best friend Foggy Nelson at Nelson and Murdoch. Yes. And they also hire Karen Page, who Matt meets in the first episode. And Karen has a really good character arc. Because at first, I pegged her as like a damsel in distress type of girl. But she comes through, come season three. All these characters throughout the whole show, they all grow and evolve. Um... Karen, you know, a lot of people like really strong women in their media, and that's good, and Karen is a strong woman, but Karen is also an interesting woman, and I think that's just as important, because she's just not this, you know, Ripley character, or this Sarah Connor character who can just, you know, pick up and, and leave uh, a situation without any emotional damage. Karen... Mm -hmm. Karen has made mistakes and choices and she has to live with them every day and she she has to grow with them and that's that's great writing. Yeah, it touches on her mental health and you just see her just going through all her demons and her nightmares and trying to deal with that and yet covering it up in real life and making it out to be like she's okay and just trying to get by. So she's very interesting and I really, really enjoyed her character. My favorite character is Foggy Nelson. I think he is great. He's such an underdog, and you know what? He does. Matt does not deserve Foggy Nelson as a friend because Foggy is pure. He is pure gold. <laughs> yeah, we all recognize the actor who plays Foggy Nelson as one of the Bash brothers from The Mighty Ducks, and you might recognize recognize him from the fourth Hunger Games film, I believe. So he. Uh, he pops up uh, every once in a while in a couple of movies or shows a year, and he's he's always great. But Foggy Nelson is such a charismatic character, and uh, Eldon Henson just, just plays it really well. Yeah, he's like Matt's backbone all the time, and he never gives up on Matt, and I just think that's so nice. What else is really great about Daredevil that makes him unique is that the sense that he's a Catholic mm -hmm. and his Catholic morals are very important to him and he grew up 
uh, in an orphanage raised by my nuns, and he's he's done all the Catholic stuff that Catholics do. I, I don't know. I'm not Catholic, and I I am, <laughs> and I recognized all that. I'm like, oh no. <laughs> I mean, he does he does go to church, and he that that it it's it's like his whole value system is based on being Catholic, and it's it's kind of cool because. Like, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, like, there's Egyptian gods now, and then there's Viking gods, mm-hmm. and there's soon to be, um, Roman gods, so it's interesting that all those advancements and aliens, that they haven't swayed Matt from his Catholic faith, and he always falls back onto it, and he always goes back to... I want to say the priest or the... He goes to confession. Yeah, he goes to confession yeah. a lot. And he's always he's always brooding to the priest, the priest yeah. about what, what he's done. He's always asking for forgiveness. And he's, yeah. always, he's always trying to balance this line between being like a vicious... The man who needs to do things that need to be done. And essentially sometimes violent things. But he also tries to be a compassionate like Catholic as well. Yeah, I, I look at it as that he is, he's Hell's Kitchen's vengeance. He helps people who are getting attacked by, you know, taking out the bad guys, basically. But he doesn't kill. He just knocks them out. And then he feels bad about, like, maybe hurting someone really bad, even if it's a bad guy. And that's why he goes to confession and, and confesses his sins. So... You know, that, and I was born and raised in the Catholic Church, and, you know, a lot of that, too, I, I found really interesting with the whole Catholic um, background, the characters that were in it, like the nun at the end in, in season three. Yeah, that was, that was very interesting, how they tied all of that together. And then, you know, you also get glimpses of his childhood, like how his dad was a boxer, and, um... And then he was raised, after, you know, his dad passed away, he was taught by Stick. Stick, yeah. Stick is amazing. <laughs> I love Stick. <laughs> it reminded me so much of just, like, like Valkyrie's line and Thor. Like, this dog won't die. Because it's like, no matter how many times Stick got knocked down, he got right back up. Even when you thought it was the end, he got right back up. Again, a Stick kind of has those, like, Rise Out Ghoul vibes where he's always got, like, a secondary scheme to what he's doing when he teams up with the, the title character. So, yeah, a lot of Batman similarities, but Daredevil is our Marvel's Batman, I guess, and he's great. Yeah. Hey, Mike. Vanessa. Vanessa, my love. <laughs> How dare you talk about Vanessa? Okay, guys, Wilson Fisk grew on me. I mean, he is probably one of my favorite villains of all time. And it's just, I love how angsty he is. He is so motivated by love for Vanessa in the end, too. It's just like, what? <laughs> for me, growing up, watching the, the Spider-Man cartoon in the 90s, Wilson Fisk was just kind of like this bigger criminal mastermind guy, and he... He had a lot of money, and he would fund all the crazy science experiments that the supervillains get powers from to go after Spider-Man, and he would have all these goons, but, like, this show, the 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 way they made him a character and the motives that they give him 
are basically where he sees himself as a hero. He sees himself as a necessary evil, like, like a fever to knock out a virus. Like, mm-hmm. he is something that has to be done to, to clean up the city. Like, like his violent means are the only way that he can achieve what he wants and what he believes is the better good. And it's, it's kind of a different take on how Matt views things because Matt's the same way. Matt has to do these sometimes violent things to get his city to be great. So they're both at different odds on how they achieve the same goal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the compare the, if you compare and contrast Wilson, Fisk, and Matt Murdock, their stories are pretty similar, but their motives are completely different, which I found very interesting in this, sh- this show as a whole. Their goals are kind of the same, but in, you know, like in Wilson Fisk's manner, very violent, very, like, I want to say mob-like. He does a lot of, you know, fishy things on the side. And I don't want to say those things because I don't want to, you know, demonetize or whatever the podcast. But, um, yeah. And I, there, I was shocked at some of the things he did in that show. Right at the beginning, even. I'm like, oh, my God. And But uh, he also has, like, some people on the side. Um, who's that lady? Uh, Madame Gao. Madame Gao, yes. Yeah. Hand. She was uncomfortable, but she was great. He's also got his, his first mate, Wesley. Yes. His beloved Wesley. Mm-hmm. Oh, Wesley. And, but yeah, Madame Gao, it was like, when I saw her the first time, I was like, I don't trust you. She just has that. I don't know who plays her, that actress, but oh my God, like she performed that so well. She was so menacing. It was like, (laughs) but overall, and then Wilson Fisk came back in Hawkeye and you know, I'm just so curious to see how all this ties together because as you know, Daredevil, Spider-Man and Hawkeye all take place in New York city. They're all New York city based heroes. And Mike, in the comics, Daredevil and Spider-Man do hang out a little bit, right? They're they're pretty much like the most on par characters. They they do the most crossover. Um, Wilson Fisk actually started as the Spider-Man villain, and then he was kind of uh, taken under the Daredevil comics as kind of uh, a foil to Matt. So Spider-Man and Daredevil team up all the time to fight Wilson Fisk. Yeah, very interesting. And I, I, I love how all those tie up together. The comics and the characters all like, you know, say hey in like one of the comics. Hey, Matt. <laughs> hey, Peter. <laughs> uh, yeah, and of course, Matt Murdock has jumped in to defend Peter Parker a couple of times. Yes. And uh, even in one comic, uh, Spider-Man's identity was questioned. So Matt Murdock put on a Spider-Man costume and did some flips around New really? York City. I didn't know that. To That's clear... A- Peter Parker's name, so that's amazing. And they're I they're pretty close. That. Oh wow! So one of the other recurring characters, and not only Daredevil, but in the entire Defenders saga of Netflix shows, is of course Claire Temple, played by Rosario Dawson. Mm-hmm. And Rosar and Claire Temple is very much so the medic of Matt Murdock, and Matt Murdock will get beat up, and he will get scratched up, and tossed around and he'll go to Claire to kind of patch him up and Claire is always kind of 
telling him that he needs to do better, that he can't take so many risks with his life because he does have people who care about him, like Foggy and, like, Mm -hmm. Claire herself and, like, Karen. And Matt wants to just kind of lose himself in the Daredevil personality, and she's always there to kind of bring out Matt Murdock in what is, you know, Daredevil the scrapper, the fighter. I find it just so interesting how when we were watching Jessica Jones and then also the Defenders, how she'll just like pop up and she's just like, oh yeah, you're one of them. I I know someone who has powers like you or, you know, whatever. And, you know, it's interesting. What you called her the Nick Fury of the Marvel Netflix series. Yeah, she pops up here and there and she kind of is the connective tissue that brings all the characters together. Um, Yeah, she's like, She's like the TV Nick Fury. Mm-hmm. And, of course, Rosara Dawson is playing Osaka now, Ahsoka. Mm-hmm. So, I, I don't know if we'll ever see her again. But, yeah, she I, I always enjoyed Claire when I got her. I don't think nurses get enough... In, they don't get enough media exposure. They don't get enough media television. exposure as, like, the hardened badasses that they are. Yeah. I have a lot of friends who are nurses, and my mom was a nurse, and I always appreciate... A nurse. Very underappreciated, especially the past couple years. Definitely. So when season one wraps up, you think, oh, okay, you know, everything's good, everything's great. But we are met with a female character who has a pretty interesting, maybe romantic past to Matt Murdock, and her name is Electra. And I did not like this character at first, but she, you know, come season three in the end, she had a pretty good interesting arc as well. Kind of, you know, being raised and fighting alongside Matt. Yeah, Electra is also trained by Stick and she has a lot of ties to the hand, which was kind of like the big overall villain of season two. Mm-hmm. Um she, was that the Sigourney Weaver season? Sigourney Weaver was in Defenders. Oh, that's right. Yeah. I'm getting them mixed up. Yeah, so but season two anyway. is kind of about, like, Matt Murdock's past with Elektra and Elektra's past within the Hand organization. And the organization that Stick is in to, to fight the Hand. We're also introduced to John Bernthal as Frank Castle. Yes. Also known as the Punisher. Yes. Tell us... Tell us your thoughts about how much contrast there is between the the techniques in fighting crime between Frank Castle and Matt Murdock. Yeah, so Frank Castle, he is completely out to avenge his family. He is so violent and he just takes this like, he charges into his victims and he, yeah, he he just kills. That's it. Like that, he's so rageful from these events and in a way he is doing what Matt Murdock is with, you know, just trying to get these bad guys off the street, but his approach to it is very heavily looked down upon by the government and the police and to the point where they think he's the enemy. He, it is very much a permanent approach to a problem with crime. Matt Murdock and Frank Castle have always been butting heads, and Matt, Matt Murdock is interesting because you know that potentially he could be someone like Frank Castle who does kill to get his way. And Frank Castle has told Matt Daredevil all the time that he's just one bad day away from turning into him. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of like, um, 
a great a great foil in that sense and Frank Castle is very much well tied up into the the kingpin and the mobs within New York City and Hell's mm-hmm. Kitchen yeah he's introduced and he he's represented by Matt Murdock and Foggy at a point and Matt Murdock's uh, ties with Electra kind of come into play during the the trial and there's a lot of drama there about Matt not being at the biggest trial of the century. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Matt is, is very much involved with Electra and like her problems that he is completely ignoring his purpose in life, which is like wanting to be a lawyer with Foggy Nelson and, ha- and helping Frank Castle. But I also find it very... It, this is actually pretty nice. This is when Karen comes into play because Karen... Despite her demons, despite she wants to help, she wants to be part of the, you know, Foggy Nelson, Matt Murdock lawyer team. And, you know, as a female, you know, people say females have, like, we're more compassionate. And I really felt that in this series that Karen brings that woman's touch. And I felt that in season two, how she really sympathized with Frank Castle when nobody else would because she saw the whole, you know, a man is, he lost his family, he lost everything, and she respected that and really kind of wanted to help him. He, she saw through his actions. Karen also kind of related to Frank Castle on the fact that they had both taken a life at one point and they mm-hmm. had been responsible for that. So if she had viewed him as just a monster, she'd also have to view herself as a monster in a way. So her empathy is a way to kind of cope with her her choices and the mistakes that she's made. And that grows throughout. Like, I feel like that exponentially grows from there at that point all the way to the end of the series. And then we just see her explode. So season two for me is the weakest of the Daredevil seasons. I agree. Uh, there's a lot going on with, with Stick and with Elektra. And, um, the hand, it, it just doesn't meld all together that well. I've really felt that the, the Daredevil and Punisher stuff was more interesting and more vital to Matt's character than the stuff with the hand. And I feel like the stuff with the hand was just there to set up Defenders. So, although it is a weak season, it's, it's still pretty great. Yeah, you do have to watch it, um if you're going to watch the whole series. I mean, we're not saying by all means to skip it. Don't do that. It did take you and I a while to watch it because I did find myself becoming a little disinterested because it was so busy. But we got through it, and we watched Defenders after Season 2. Yes. And, I mean, I loved the Defenders. I'm not a really big fan of, like, Luke Cage and Iron Fist, um, but I did love the Jessica and Matt team-up in that show. Because Jessica Jones, she puts it this way. She, when comparing herself to her sister, she's like, oh, she's a good person. I'm an asshole. And I'm like, girl. (laughs) So it was very interesting to see someone as strong-headed as Jessica team up with Matt Murdock, who's just so brooding and so serious. (laughs) And the Defenders takes an interesting turn and sets up season three of Daredevil. Yeah, the Defenders was great. Be- oh, well, it was it was okay. I mean, I of course adore Jessica Jones, and I like I love Daredevil and Iron Fist and Luke Cage were were good, and 
There's some great stuff with Stick and Electra, but uh, Matt Murdock was kind of misused in this series. Like, he was primed to be the leader of the Defenders, and very much so, like, Tony Stark or Captain America were the leaders of the Avengers, and they didn't give Matt Murdock Daredevil things to do. Like, there's a scene in one of the episodes where they go and they talk to uh, this, the, the daughter of someone who was murdered to find out more information about why he was murdered. And Matt Murdock is the one doing, like, the investigating. And Jessica's the one talking to the witness. And Matt Murdock finds the clue. And I felt like it could have been reversed. I feel like Jessica Jones is the private investigator. She should be the one snooping around looking for clues. And Matt Murdock is a counselor and uh, uh, just a, a good person. I feel like he'd want to talk to the witness more and get information out of them. So mm-hmm. I can see your point there. Mike, would you recommend watching The Defenders before watching season three of Daredevil? Uh, I was, I felt Defenders was just alright in my first watch, but the second time watching it, knowing what it was and how it leads into Daredevil Daredevil Season 3, I enjoyed it more. Mm -hmm. Um, there's just not enough variety within the characters, because, like I said, they, they kind of mix up roles sometimes, and the powers, for me, are too similar. Mm -hmm. Like... Iron Fist is the karate guy, but Daredevil is also the karate guy. Um, Jessica Jones is really strong, Mm -hmm. but Luke Cage is also really strong. So there's just not enough of, like, a variety and, like, team-up moments that we get within, like, a variety of, like, the Justice League or, like, the Avengers. Like in the 2012 Avengers when they all assemble. And there's that iconic da 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 and the Hulk turns into the Hulk, yeah. Yeah, the, the, the ability to like build off and like differentiate between the power sets and, and kind of like make combinations and fighting attacks and styles based off of the different powers of the characters, it's, it's not there mm-hmm. for me. But this is a vital show to the overall arc of Matt Murdock and of course you gotta watch it yeah agreed so that leads us into season three of Daredevil and you guys season three was stressful because it, it was just so melancholy especially right at the beginning um and then Wilson Fisk comes back you know full-fledged Wilson Fisk, Kingpin form, you know, and he just is looking for, or making sure Vanessa is safe. And Foggy Nelson, he's at a different point in his life after separating from Matt. We see him having this, like, you know, life of luxury apartment in uptown Manhattan with his girlfriend, you know, living the dream at a prestige law agency. With, uh, with what's her name from Jessica Jones as his boss. Um, what was her name? Played by Carrie Ann Moss. Oh, yeah. Oh, I can't remember the name right now. It's, I'm blinking on I it, know. too. Oh, it'll come to us. But I did find the name of the actress that's going to play Elphaba in Wicked. It's, uh, Cynthia Erivo. So. Anyway, back to. Hogarth. Back to Daredevil. Her Hogarth, was, yes. Her name was Hogarth. Yes. Yes. Okay. 
so Matt Murdock has kind of been missing in the public eye, and uh, just Daredevil's been making light appearances, and he's trying to overcome kind of like a setback, an injury, and he's been living in uh, a Catholic, uh, Catholic church basement, and he's been, of course, with his, uh, with uh, the nuns taking care of him, much like he was when he was a child, and mm -hmm. he's just so focused on the Daredevil personality. And Wilson Fisk is um, back in his like, well, he's in a he's like in a tower. Yeah, he's he's and he's an informant for the police, yeah. and he's really just informing the police so that his empire can grow stronger. Mm -hmm. And he's got so many people working for him. Yeah, and one of the people he has working for him is like a sharpshooter marksman called Poindexter. Poindexter buddy and poindexter is Ugh. he is um he's misunderstood and he's vulnerable and fragile and wilson fisk is able to just grab him and manipulate him into like mold him like clay a human weapon um this that, was interesting for me i i gotta tell you like the way that they approached telling his backstory for me was great yeah. i I like my director senses were tingling. What they do is it's just Wilson Fisk reading files from Poindexter's therapy sessions. But what they do is they do it in like a black box theater way and they have two actors come in in the same set of Wilson Fisk's like um penthouse. And they set up, like, just minimal props. And then they have just the two actors go back and forth with dialogue. And it's done, like, like a black box theater. Like, mm -hmm. just just use your imagination just a little bit and fill in these gaps. And it's done so well. And the transitions yeah, yeah. and the fact that I think it's done in black and white. Yeah. It's, this was definitely my favorite season. Or my favorite, you know, moments of Daredevil was in season three. Just because there was just so much action, but the characters, we learned so much. And I mean, we're just introduced to Poindexter, but it's like immediately we learn about him and he just becomes such an interesting character to the whole series, just in season three, like the last series or season, I mean. Yeah. And the fact that they hit on, it happens a lot in the comics to, to Spider-Man and to probably other characters like Batman, but... How easy it is for a supervillain to take a superhero identity and just take their costume and go around and do havoc things, mm -hmm. and then for the hero to get blamed that I've that hasn't been done in in live action media yet for me that I've seen. And Poindexter puts on this suit and becomes kind of like Wilson Fisk's de uh, devil mm -hmm. and does all these awful things, and Matt Murdock gets blamed. That's that's great. That's really interesting. Yeah. And at this point, Matt Murdock does not have his red daredevil suit. It got destroyed, right? Yeah, it got destroyed at the end of Defenders. Yeah. So, he's he's gone back to basics, gone back to that Frank Miller black ninja boxer <laughs> setup he has. So, it's it's a great season. It's the directing, the cinematography, the choreography, the lighting. Mm -hmm. It's all top notch. I could if I ever wanted to like rewatch Daredevil, I would probably just start with episode one, season three, honestly, because it was just so good, and I was so sad when it was over, so sad. 
Like I miss, I miss it so much. Just sitting down and watching another episode. I loved it. I was hooked. Yeah, we, um, we had, I had heard the rumors of Daredevil being in No Way Home. Mm -hmm. And I didn't want Amanda to go in the theater and be like, who's that guy? Why, why is this theater erupting in applause? Like, who cares about this blind lawyer guy? Why is he such a big deal? And guess what? I was standing ovationing when when Charlie Cox came on the screen. <laughs> and now she's I'm a, so excited. Now she's a big fan, and of course, not only is it like important to see Daredevil to the future of the Marvel universe, but yeah. it's just a good show. It's so good, like, and so under well, it was so underrated until No Way Home came out, and Daredevil got right back on the radar again. Yeah. But I felt so bad. Charlie Cox like said in an interview that the theater he went to with his wife, nobody knew who he was. The theater was silent when he came on the screen. And I just really, everybody is saying, Charlie, no, our theater was so happy to see you. And I will never forget that moment as well as like the other moments in No Way Home. But it was just so nice to see him again, just interacting with Peter Parker and like being officially in the MCU. Also, Wilson Fisk being officially in the MCU now, too. So, we're hoping... Yeah, we're hoping that Matt Murdock shows up again somewhere. It was really sad for me watching the finale of Daredevil Season 3 back in maybe 2018, 2019, 2017? I don't recall. But it was sad because a a couple weeks after the fact... Netflix canceled the shows and you're like oh my god look why it's it's such a good show people are watching and people talk about it people love it my dad loves it um and now we can all tell it was kind of Disney's just master plan of hey let's let's get these shows canceled we'll we'll get the shows on Disney plus and then we'll take the characters and we'll put them wherever we want Mm -hmm. in our future slate of films and tv shows so in all Daredevil on Netflix has been out for quite some time. It's not on Netflix anymore. You've got well, you've got to use Disney Plus now. Yeah, you got to use Disney Plus. However, before it was on Disney Plus, like I mentioned earlier, it was on Netflix for the longest time. I mean, I remember seeing it, you know, years for years sitting on there. Jessica Jones, The Defenders, and I feel like now it's just come back. I mean, not necessarily. Unfortunately, I mean Jessica Jones. And Defenders, all of them are on Disney Plus now, but I don't see a lot of people talking about those shows as much as Daredevil. Daredevil definitely came back because of Spider-Man and because of Wilson Fisk coming back in Hawkeye. There could be season four. There's so many rumors speculating right now. So Amanda, what is what is your next dream move for Daredevil? Do you want to see a, a revival or do you want to see a reboot? Do you just want to see him hop around and make, like, fun appearances in movies? Like, where, where do you want to see Daredevil next? I want to see them, you know, pick back up from season four. I really want a Foggy and Matt team up in, law- like, I want them to be lawyers together again. I really would like to see them thrive in the law community. And, yeah. I, and I also want him to be a better friend. And I really want him to acknowledge Karen's feelings for him because... We forgot to mention, you know, him and Karen do hook up every now and... It, it mostly went in season two. They're to, 
together, but then Electra complicates things, and then in season three, they're kind of trying to pick up the pieces of where they left off. So, it, but not just with Karen, with Foggy as well as his best friend. So I would like to see him just reconnect with the people that really care about him, and because they can probably help him. They can make him a stronger superhero in the end. When you have great friends and family behind you, I mean, the world's your limit. Yeah, I I want to see Karen Page get a little slice of happiness. I want to see her do well because she's been through a lot. But yeah, I I'm dying for uh, a real Daredevil Spider Man team up yes. potentially in a movie. Um, if Hawkeye season two does become a thing or Echo, there's an appearance in that like. Daredevil, Punisher, and Ronan need to all be on screen together. That 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 is, would be sweet. That is something that needs to be paid off because Ronan is a character who was like the Punisher and who is trying to be more like Matt Murdock, mm-hmm. and the Punisher is a character who is who was the who was like Ronan before Ronan, mm-hmm. and Daredevil needs to be there to kind of counterbalance the two. Is there a comic like that out there? Oh, I I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Let us know if there is. And if there is, please forward it to us because we would like to see it. (laughs) So with that, please let us know what you guys think. Is there going to be a season four coming of Daredevil? Do you want to see him showing up in the MCU more? And just your overall thoughts and opinions on the series. You know, we would love to hear it. Also, I'm, again, I'm very excited to have Mike on as my co-host. He's from this point on, he will be joining me on the episodes all the way um, until season three concludes in the summer. But next season, which I hope to start that off in August, we are going to do some changes, a little bit of rebranding. So very exciting. I'm very, very excited. It's just, you know, having a partner in crime. And I, I feel like having someone to talk to on here as well we can just you know disagree on a lot of things yeah butt heads get in arguments yeah couple quarrel yeah. we should just rename that to couple our, our podcast to couples quarrel or something <laughs> <laughs> so next week is very exciting it, a movie that everybody that i know of is very excited for is doctor strange multiverse of madness me mike and some of the serial fam are gonna come on and we're gonna have a discussion on the movie so you don't want to miss that out i'm so excited i just saw the newest teaser today i told mike because mike does not like spoilers to avoid it because oh i'm so excited i'm not gonna spoil it but mm. well you know when when you study animation and then you start like writing films yourself you can look at movies through the lens of a writer and it's a completely different lens than if you were to just watch them as a casual viewer and your mind can start just taking little bits of information and just like compiling like mm-hmm. details and theories and plots and it's just hard to turn that off for me so I don't watch a lot of um, trailers outside of the first one. Yeah, but, you call a movie, like right at the beginning. You'll you say, "Oh, this is gonna happen," and nine times out of the ten, that's how the movie turns out. I'm like, oh. <laughs> for me, for me to go to a movie and get completely shocked by what happening is it's rare. So yeah. um, that's I gotta avoid the spoilers. Yeah. Well, with that being said, though, Mike is he's a director, a writer, and you have your own 
film out on YouTube, and I'm going to link that in the description. So please, guys, give that a watch. Give him some support. He also animated the intro, and it's really cool, too. So, you know, I very much implore you to watch it. So with that, I hope you guys have a good week. Get out there and see Doctor Strange next weekend, and we'll catch you then.